0: Welcome to the Church in the Peak podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, visit churchinthepeak.org. Good morning. I love it when God comes and sets you up when you're going to preach. It really helps. You kind of know you're somewhere on the right track with God. And um, last week we were just looking at this amazing encounter that Moses had with God on Mount Sinai, and uh, I want to go back to that. I feel God's got some things he just wants us to press into, and it's not separate from anything that God's already said this morning or done. Actually, it's very much in line and continuation of what God's saying and doing amongst us as a company of people. But I just want to also, uh, just in ask for testimony about people who have been healed from this morning, Matt can you just say, just come and share, because we prayed for Matt last week in response to a uh, word of knowledge, so just tell us what's happened. <coughs> don't forget get the mic? Um, uh, for those who don't know, um, Rosie, uh, uh, my eldest daughter, Pope, uh, Pope, jabbed us in the eye about two years ago, I think, uh, scratched my cornea, and going just keep on playing up and playing up over and over again ever since, so I've uh, kind, of <laughs> kind of keep having to go back to the uh, consultants and things to get it kind of looked at so um it was playing up last last week and it was really like sort of couldn't really affecting sort of engaging at church and stuff and um and yeah so uh, but i thought ask for prayer at the end and uh and and actually um uh actually yeah it's it's I was pretty sure it, was, it, it just went for, for the rest of that day. I was absolutely fine. And the rest of the week, it's, it's threatened, but it's not come back. So I'm keeping, doing it, keeping up with the drops just to be on the safe side, and I'll let you know. But it's, uh, but especially Sunday, and since then, it's been been great. So Brilliant. Thank you. Thanks, <clears throat> Thanks Mark. <laughs> See, I don't think sometimes we hear enough stories about what I was doing. And uh, I remember we were just talking with Emily recently about uh, some of her interaction in what she does in schools in the Christian Union, said, actually, you need to tell stories. Because actually, the gospel's in the story. The truth is in the storytelling. The, uh, actually, the, 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 Spirit, the Holy Spirit's on stories. And people, you, they can't deny your story. You know, they might question other things, but it's true for you. Your story, what God's done, is true. And so we need to keep hearing stories about what God's doing. Okay, well, last week... I uh, was in. Is he, uh, sorry, I'm picking bit. I was in uh, Exodus because it starts with the same letter. Exodus 33. We started at uh, verse 12, and I want to just come back and pick something up out of this. Last week I spent some time in this uh, passage of scripture, just looking at God's favour and how we can attract the favour of God and we can draw near. So I'll just read this again. Moses said to the Lord. See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you said, I have known you by name, and you have also found favour in my sight. Now therefore, if I have found favour in your sight, please show me your ways, that I may know you in order to find favour in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it, shall it be known that I have found favour in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us? So that we are distinct. I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth. And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy to whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes, I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you, and my hand with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. So that's the passage we looked at last week. I just looked a little bit in terms of uh finding favour with God. Moses hadn't really done anything. The favour of God was on Moses right from the beginning, before he was even born. God had a plan and purpose for his life. It wasn't normal, it wasn't the routine, being brought up in a safe, secure family uh, who was born into. We know the journey that he took, but he found favour. And uh, in in doing that, we just looked at some of the things that uh, draws favour. But actually, one of the things that I felt, and the favour that God wants... That as we find favor and as we pursue God is there there will be supernatural increase in finding favor with God because that's what God wants for us and to bring and restore uh, bring back all that has been taken and stolen by the enemy God promises to restore when we find favor in his sight and that um, our favor is not defined by our circumstances no matter how difficult uh, we find ourselves, it does not equate to what God's favour is. It has no bearing on it. God's favour has favour on who he has favour. And circumstances don't reflect that. But I want to go on. I want to look at something else that I, I particularly feel that um, we find in this passage uh, related is God's glory and his goodness. They seem to be, in this passage, one and the same. So he talks about his glory coming and passing by, and it would see all his goodness. And I have been observing this, I think that there are Christians, and particularly maybe church groups or streams, that have been pursuing and looking at and getting hold of what it is to know the goodness of God. And in knowing the goodness of God, they're seeing this supernatural increase. And I think there's a truth of something of knowing the goodness of God and accepting it and believing it as a truth rather than the concept, actually, that changes things. Because we can know it conceptually, but knowing it as it's been true and living it out is a different thing. And I believe God wants us to get hold of this truth of the goodness of God. So in Exodus 33, it says, All God's goodness will pass before him, before Moses. Now, years ago, I know uh, an American preacher, T.D. Jakes, he used to say this all the time God is good, all the time, God is good. And the numerous people that would listen to T.D. Jakes would repeat that. And I'm thinking, I know it, I understand it, but I'm not sure I'm living in the good of that. I find it difficult to grasp and get hold of. I find it difficult to um, to equate sometimes to my life, my life circumstance, the situation I find myself in. It's one of those things that we're happy to affirm uh, when things are going well, but we question it when things aren't going how we think they should go. Have you found yourself in that? You question sometimes the very thing That you know is true, you know with it, but it's kind of head knowledge, not heart knowledge. It's kind of head experience, not heart experience. It's not living in the good of that. Saying God is good means he does good things, he doesn't do bad things, or he doesn't do mediocre things. Everything he does is good, even when it doesn't quite work out. God is good, he doesn't do anything but good. He can't help himself but do good. When have you known God to do something bad? It's a teaching in Scripture. God is good by definition. Anywhere you find goodness in the Bible, you'll find God. You'll find uh, where you find um, that definition. He's good all the time. You can't have God without goodness. You can't have goodness without God. He's good. So teaching right through scripture, everything that God made, he says, it is good. Genesis 1.31, it is good, whatever he does. No one is good except God. Mark 10 verse 18 says, no one is good except God. He's the only one that is truly good. Romans eight twenty eight. we know it so well, all things work together for good to those who love God. We know the passage, but do we live in the good of the passage? Do we live in that truth, that knowledge of that truth, that understanding that worked out of that truth? God's goodness not defined by experience, not measured by your circumstances. He's just good, innately good. And God, I, I just feel God wants us to get hold of a truth, of his goodness, irrespective of anything else that we might know, have learnt, or have been taught, or experienced in our life, to grasp this truth. Because I think the, the touching heaven, the catching hold of increased supernatural activity on earth, it comes out of his goodness and nothing else. He wants to do you good. He wants to do his church good. And he wants to do the world good through the church. That's the very heart and nature of God. But until we grasp something fresh in our spirit, we grasp an understanding, we get hold of this truth that God is good. We'll never touch that part of heaven on earth. Because we'll always react out of our knowledge, our experience, and our circumstance and not out of our knowledge of the truth and living in the truth. I struggled with this whole thing for many years. I'm preaching this as much to myself as to anybody because I struggled with the goodness of God, getting hold and grasping it because my circumstances have told me different. My knowledge and the teaching I received when I was young did not, even I can't remember a preach on the goodness of God when I was younger ever. I was taught about rules and regulations and how I should live. I was taught about the uh, the wrath of God. I was taught about uh, I'd heard things about how you've got to do this to, to attain that, but I hadn't been taught anything about God's goodness. So it's not in me. It wasn't part of me. It's never not something I would never heard. And the first time I heard it, I kind of questioned it. Is that true? Can we really live in the place of knowing God's goodness and knowing it as a truth that is lived out, that changes things? You see, preachers of that time in my life were very selective about what they preached on. Because actually, it brought more condemnation than it did bring life. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life, and life to the full. And actually, to experience that, and to encounter that, and to live in the good of that, we've got to know this truth, that God's good. And he's good in everything he does, everything he says, and everything he intends and promises is good. God's promise for us is good. God's promise for the children of Israel was good. They had battles to win. They had fights to engage in they had to take land and it, it, it took a battle but God had already gone before God had already made the way it was already planned already purposed God made the promise to Abraham fulfilled with Moses and Joshua but actually they still had some fight and some battle it didn't come easy they didn't walk into it but God fought for them and God won the battle and life's light life, isn't it Life's a battle sometimes. Hard things in life. Difficult things we face. But if God's working things for our good, every single circumstance we find ourselves in, we can know this and we can believe this. We can choose to believe it and live in the good of it. Actually, out of this situation, God's working good. Because he's already planned and purposed it. He already has. For for your life and for my life. I love Psalm... 136 it starts with this it says give thanks to the lord for he is good before it goes on to all the thing, good things he's done it starts with give thanks to the lord for he is good S- simply that he's good it's enough reason to give thanks to god his is good his goodness it's, it's sufficient and if you're struggling to give thanks for anything give thanks that god's good You can't think of anything else. That's sufficient. That's enough to come and give thanks to God. Thank you, God. You are good. From beginning to end, he's good. Every bit in the middle, he's good. It's just who he is. It's how he is. And the psalmist is recounting this in the midst of trouble. He's recounting this and he says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Is that not true? Have you not found that out yet? I remember one guy who got saved and he said, my life's been nothing but trouble since I became a Christian. So I've never come across such trouble actually since I became a Christian. But it's because actually suddenly he realises it's not only become a Christian, but he's also in a battle. And it's a battle to be won, a battle to be lived through, a battle to live out actually in the knowledge and understanding that God's good in the midst of it all. And we don't have to live under anything other than his goodness. If you're living under anything, any other cloud, any other thing that says God isn't good, and if you're living on anything that isn't his goodness, you're missing God's plan and point for you. We're to live in his goodness. We're to know his goodness. We're to enjoy his goodness, even in the midst of affliction. We can know his goodness. It's just amazing. I was reading this part of my preparation. Andrew Wilson's book on incomparable. It's actually, he it it just does a short bit on God's goodness. Some people misunderstand the idea that Yahweh is good and take it to mean that bad things will never happen. Then, because the results of the fall, things like death, and sin and sickness and abuse and earthquakes still happen, they get angry with God. But this is not the psalmist's understanding of God's goodness. He makes the remarkable announcement, many are the afflictions of the righteous, which which is the exact opposite of what many people today would think. Even with a good God who is sovereign over everything and has the power to do whatever he likes, good people still suffer. But the punchline comes in the next phrase, though. But Yahweh delivers him out of all all of them. Evil happens. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. See, finding God. So even Susie's song earlier about coming to the rock, standing on the rock, Knowing that actually God is good and sufficient for whatever you're in. And whatever place, your situation, circumstance of your life, God is good. And he's good in the midst of it. And he's faithful in the midst of it. And he doesn't change. He's not going to change. Your circumstances do, but God doesn't. Your perception can change, but God doesn't. Your understanding of God and his goodness can change, but he doesn't because he's always good. See, God's never been faced with a catch-22 situation. He's never had to kind of choose between two two evils. He's never been flummoxed into a decision that was anything else but completely good. It's hard to get our minds around, isn't it? But actually, he's completely sufficient in his goodness for everything. And it's a huge concept sometimes to get our head around. You can count on this. If God is doing something, it's good. Whatever it is. What God has promised, where God's leading, where God's taking us, it's good. And somehow, the children of Israel lost sight of that. From the very first moment they left Egypt. Because their complaining was, you've just brought us into the desert for us to die here. They didn't get it right from the start. Even though the promise had been around a lot longer than they had, they still didn't get it. And the promise for us has been around longer than we have. A lot longer, and it still stands today, and it's still as good as the day God made it. His promise of his goodness to us is as good as the day he made it still stands. We can still live in the good of it. Now, you've heard Neil talk about, many times from this front, he's talked about rich chocolate cake. (laughs) Now, Neil loves chocolate cake. I don't know whether you're a lover of chocolate cake or not, Neil loves rich chocolate cake, and he kind of refers to it often from the front, about this rich chocolate cake. Now, only one way you're going to know whether that's a good, rich chocolate cake is taste it you've got no choice have you you can't you can look at it it can look good I have to say in France we go to the patissier in France and the cakes look so tempting they look like the works of art now I need to watch my figure and I could and if I had the money I'd love to buy them all and try them all so I'm selective about what i will try. But it all looks so good, and we can look on at something and think, well, that's really nice, it's really good, but unless we taste, unless we engage with the cake, we're not going to know that it's rich chocolate cake and it's really good. We have to sample, we have to taste. That's why when they're tempting you to buy something in store, they give you free samples of something, because they know by just looking at it, you're probably not going to buy it until you've tasted it. And so the psalmist said, taste and see that the Lord is good. You're not going to find out unless you taste and see. You're never going to get hold of it. You're never going to say, this is like good rich chocolate cake. This is the best I've tasted. I like cake. I like lots of different cakes. I could eat lots of cake. I don't because it's not good for me. It makes me fat, but I love cake, but I, and I know it's good to taste. I know it's good to look at, I know it's good to taste, but it's not good for my figure. You see, the thing with God is good in every way. There's no part of, good, of God that is bad. So you can taste God and not fear any consequences of anything not good. Because God's good. Consequences of eating cake is you'll get fat and your arteries will block up. The consequences of tasting God and tasting of God is that he's good in everything, in every way, completely and utterly. And no part of him is bad. Amen. Are we getting hold of something? I I want to encourage us, actually, I want us as a people to understand and to get hold of and to begin to live in the expectation that God's goodness will be made manifest and known amongst us and through us to the world out there. Because actually, that's what God wants. God wants us to know His goodness that we might share it with others that they would know it as well. That's the intent. You see, God's goodness is in people being healed, God's goodness is made manifest in people being set free. God's goodness is the poor have good news preached to them. It's the goodness of God made manifest, and He's chosen to do it through the church but unless we understand it, unless we get hold of it, unless we're living in that place, and in the goodness of that place, we'll never share it with anybody else. It's no good saying to somebody else, God's good, taste and see is good, if you don't know that truth for yourself. You're not living in the good of that place of the truth for you. See, God is good for your present and your future. And just that passage that Dave read out, earlier it's just so helpful so good there's a hope and there's a future that's good in god and actually to attain it he'll give us everything we need he'll give us his holy spirit he'll be with us that we can attain all that that's why he said to moses my presence will go with you that they could attain the good that he planned for them they weren't going to do it on their own they weren't going to enter into the fullness of that, this land flowing with milk and honey, this place where they would settle and they would be established as the people of God They'd drive out the other nations from there out of the land that God was giving them. It was not going to happen unless God was with them. His presence went with them. And God knew that when he was in that encounter with Moses. God knew that the thing that was going to make the difference was his presence with them. And I want to say that and we know God's with us. People come into our meetings from other places and they say, God's with you. We have measure, but we want more. Yeah? I want more. We have measure of God's presence with us, but there's more to be attained. There's more to enter into. There's more of the goodness of God for us to uh, encounter and to live in the good of. More of knowing that. And what God's already doing for us in terms of the building has just been amazing it's a, it's a sign of the goodness of God towards us but it's not the end of the story it's the beginning, it's almost like the beginning of the next chapter of this church it's almost like God's shaping something fresh for the future he's planned and purposed and so when I, I look at people, I, I, was, I met with Dave this week, we were just chatting over lunch and one of the things that for me I, I've said about Bill Johnson is like a, a modern day Uh, equivalent of uh, John Wimber he carries something that's relevant for us today that helps us and there's others that have pursued that when I went to hear Randy Clark and he talks about the glory of God well that's his goodness in this passage we see the connection between God's goodness and God's glory and, and I want God's glory I want to be a carrier of God's glory I want the church and I want to see this church be a carrier of the glory of God. And actually, we want to know that because actually it's his goodness. It's a a connection with the goodness of God and his glory. Actually, as we carry glory, his goodness is made known. So I want to encourage us and I want to give time, and I'm so this is not a long preach. You'd be pleased to know. I, want us to, I feel God wants us to, and he wants to give us an opportunity to come and taste afresh that he's good. Because it's not about a knowledge, it's about an encounter with goodness. Moses had an encounter with goodness. He had an encounter with glory. That actually, when he came off the mountaintop, his face shone so bright he had to cover it. And every time, consequently, when he'd been with God, he had to come back and cover his face because they couldn't look on it because it glowed. God wants a people who are glowing with him. God wants to raise up a church that glows with him. Actually, people will be able to look on it. It's not that they won't. They will be able to look on it, but they'll be changed by looking on it because we're glowing with something of God's glory God's goodness God's heart for people and God's heart for you as well and so I just want to encourage us this morning that actually uh, Psalm 136 says believe that he is good choose to believe you see when you believe with your heart it changes the way you live when you believe with your head it's just knowledge when you believe with your heart, changes the way you live. Believe that he is able. He's able to do this. He's able to bring you into a new place of living in his goodness. Maybe you've experienced glimpses of that. Maybe you've had some encounters with that in the past. I believe God's saying, I want you to live more in that place than you ever have done before. To have a place of knowing goodness. Knowing that he's able to do through you anything he chooses when you're living in that place. See, I don't, I don't, I don't think God's raising up specialists anymore. We've had times of that when it seems to be the significant people who are raised up and prominent in the Christian world and do amazing things. But actually, God's promise is I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. It's to all people. And actually, I, I believe God wants to raise up a whole... People group, not just the ones and twos, not just the specialists. But actually, I believe God's raising up people, all over the place, who are catching hold of what it is to live in His goodness and to carry His glory. So people need it. So He's able. He's trustworthy. You see, He doesn't promise and then let us down. He doesn't make a promise. He didn't make a promise about the promised land that they never would enter and then never enter it. He's made a promise about the peak district that we've got to attain because he's made the promise. And whether we do, if we don't, somebody else will. He'll raise up a people who will do it. I'd rather it be us. I'd rather it be me than anybody else that God uses to fulfill the promise he's called and made to the peak district for church the peak. He's trustworthy to fulfill what he's said. And in all of that, believe him because he's unchanging. When he says he does, what he says he will do, he acts according to his promise. He doesn't act outside of his promise, he doesn't act something else, say one thing and do another. You know, you know those people say one thing and do another, or you get people who promise more than they can deliver. God isn't either of those. He's not one who promises far more than he can deliver is he more than able to deliver everything he's promised. It's totally trustworthy in every way. There's a song by Jesus Culture, I'm not sure Ollie's able to do it now. There's a song by Jesus Culture and it's uh, called Your Love Never Fails. And the line, the kind of brief part of that is, you work all things together for my good. And you've just got to keep, I, I keep singing it over and over and over. It's just that one line, but I keep singing it over and over and over. Because God's about working all things for our good. Everything for our good. In, in uncertain times, everything for our good. When we don't know the next step, we don't know the next direction we're to take, and, you know, we as elders, we're maybe half a step ahead of you guys. We're trusting God. We're just trusting God. We don't know all the next steps, but he works all things together for our good whether it's a personal thing or whether it's a corporate thing, he works all things together for our good. And he's working it out because he's innately good. He cannot help himself other than be good. There's no other way for God other than to be good. So I want to encourage us to to live in the good who, who God is. Because actually, when we begin to live in the good of who he is, we'll know it, we'll live it, and actually, in us, there'll be goodness. Because it'll be his goodness manifest through us, to others. And he's chosen the church to do it through. Have we got a song at all, Ali, we can do? Can we stand? I, I, I want to make opportunities, I feel that God wants to make that invitation... <laughs> That you could come and taste again that the Lord is good. Don't base your coming to taste on past experience. Pam, would you just come and share what you share with me?
1: Uh, years ago, I had to leave this church for three years, and I went to another church, and it was... Agony! I I was so miserable, and I felt at the time that God said to me, um, it's because you can't put new wine in an old wineskin. And uh, I came back. (laughs) Um, And last Friday morning at prayer group, Angela Hay had a word, and she couldn't quite work it out, but it was um, about going into a period of a a new wineskin, and um, I just thought, well, we're in a new wineskin. Um, and no, even new wineskins grow old. And uh, t- they were brilliant, but the time's gone. And it's time, as we all that just said today, um, going in the new building, and uh, it's time to step into a new wineskin.
0: Yeah, thank you, Tom. so i think god's just taken us into a new phase and we felt even this time back at county hall before we went into lime tree was actually god preparing us for something fresh for the next phase for the next phase of the life of this church and that prophetic word we had about writing the next chapter is actually this is part of that preparation god preparing us for writing our history which yet to come it's in god's hands we just want to follow Him. So we're just going to sing and pray. I know there's encounters for some this morning that God has got for you to come and taste again, come and taste afresh that God gives. Let's just pray, Lord. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that it's your very nature that all that you do, all that you are, all that you have is good Lord even as we sing as we come before you Lord we want to taste again taste and see Lord taste and see that you are good that you're good for us right now in our circumstance our situation good for us where we are in the life of this church you're good for us Lord for our future Lord for our hope and our future you have planned for the promises you've made You are good for everyone. So just come to us now, Holy Spirit, I pray. Come and help us as we just want to respond to you right now. Spirit of God. Spirit of God, come on us. Come and draw near to us, I pray.